Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I believe that Jesus is trying to get somebody's attention today about who he is. And uh, I'm excited to know him and to be able to call on him in whatever state I'm at. And to be able to experience his presence is such an honor and a privilege that we have. And we're so thankful that you're here today. We're thankful for all of our guests that are here today. It's so good to see you and to get to meet some of you. Thank you for joining us here at Spirit of Grace Church. We've got a lot of people out of town this week, a couple of people that weren't feeling well. And so we're missing quite a few people today. But uh, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that they'll be able to catch this online later. But uh, we want to uh, invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 27 today. As you're turning, you'll notice a couple of the announcements on the screen uh, that was up here before church and something's going on on the screen out there. I'm looking now and it's black again. It's out, so I'm not sure. So I'll just mention it to you now. And uh, I'll try to get it fixed before you leave. You can reference the, the screen out there uh, today. But on September 13th, which is just a couple of Sundays away, we're going to have a baptism Sunday again. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And so if you would like to be baptized, uh, you can see my wife or Ira on the table in the back on the way out the door is a sign-up sheet. If you want to sign up to be baptized, we had... After our last baptism, we had a couple of different people ask about it, and so we want to have it right away again uh, in September, and we're looking forward to another wonderful day in the Lord on the 13th. Last Monday night, we finished our, believe it or not, our winter-spring semester of Grace College, interrupted by COVID, and so we're done with that for right now, but we're going to be starting that up again on the 14th of September, it's a Monday night, seven o'clock, we'll be here in the sanctuary. It's a college level class uh, that, uh, it's gonna be more college level than even this last one because um, we just, this first semester we did basic um, foundational doctrines. This semester I want to, I'm feeling led of the Lord to teach on wisdom literature, which is really a breakdown of the Proverbs. And so if you've ever read Proverbs and wondered about it, we want to encourage you to be a part of Grace College beginning in September on the 14th. It's going to be a great time together. Today I want to share with you from the word of the Lord uh, from Matthew 27. Just one scripture is what we're going to bounce off of and then we're basically going to consume this entire chapter. But uh, Verse 22 said this, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And I want to preach for the next few minutes with the help of the Lord on this topic. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Would you just bow your heads one more time and ask the Lord to help us to receive what he has for us? Lord, you've been speaking since the beginning of this service about who you are and the power that's in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you now, Lord, to fill me up and pour me out upon your people. I'm asking you to give us hearts and ears to receive what thus says the word of the Lord. 
Lord, we want to handle you properly. We want to be with you in a proper way. We want to have a relationship with you in such a dynamic that you are pleased and glorified and that we are in holy uh, right standing with you. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. You have to answer this question on your own. What will you do with Jesus? Pilate is standing here, coming to the conclusion of Christ's life here on earth. His ministry is just about accomplished. It's setting off the last couple of days of his earthly life. And Pilate has come to the conclusion, and he's asking himself this question, what am I going to do with this man named Jesus? Uh, for those of you that, that may not know this, this man, Jesus, if you read the scripture, he came in order for you and I to have a relationship with Almighty God. He was restoring the communion that was broken in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve could have free communion with him. And the Bible says that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed from the garden. And since that point forward, God has done everything that he could in order to get us back to communion with him in free nature. And so, in fact, Jesus said it this way, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came in to seek and to save that relationship, that communion that God had with man and the way that we were designed to have communion with him. But by the actions, according to the book of Romans, of one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so even now by one man, Jesus, because Jesus showed up, we have opportunity to be reconciled or reunited with God Almighty ourselves. And so this man named Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a baby. God took upon him the, the, the nature of man, according to Philippians chapter 2, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so now we're standing just before this act of death, just before this sacrifice was made in, at Calvary, uh, and Pilate is the governor or the Roman uh, tetrarch, if you will, at that time, and he was getting ready to pass judgment on Jesus. The problem was, was that Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Pilate couldn't find any reason to put him to death. And so he finds out that Jesus was from Galilee and he thinks he can get out of it. And so he sends Jesus to Herod. And Herod, who was the, the Jewish representative, if you will, uh, Herod Antipas, he, he was the one that uh, in the empire that was there, you had the Romans that they were the rulers, but then they set up these, really these puppet leaders. And Herod was a Jewish leader uh, under the auspices of Rome. And so Herod doesn't want to do anything with him, and so he sends him back to Pilate. And so now we come to this place here in this passage that we're reading, and Pilate says, well, what am I going to do with Jesus? And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, each one of us here today has to answer that question. What am I going to do with Jesus? 
Jesus has showed up on your doorstep today and he has entered into your life and he is speaking into your spirit and he is asking you the question, what are you going to do with me? How are you going to handle me? How are you going to receive me? How are you going to unite with me? How are you going to communicate with me? Are you going to allow the things that I designed at the beginning to come to fruition? Or are you going to continue to do some things like I'm going to share over here in just a minute? You see, we see in this passage, if you read the entire chapter of Matthew in the 27th chapter, you'll see a couple of different interactions or different aspects of the way people responded to this man, Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to be like Pilate today and reject him? Pilate ends up rejecting Christ. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made. He took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. He rejects Christ, even though he's innocent. And I find it very interesting in this passage that, the, that he tries to declare himself innocent. He washes his hands. He took a basin of water and he begins to wash his hands and he makes a declaration that he has no right to make. He, has a, he makes a declaration that says, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. See you to it. He was dodging it in the midst of his rejection. He was saying, okay, I'm going to choose one or the other. I'm going to reject Jesus. And if you read the rest of the story, he trades Jesus for Barabbas. And he gives the people Barabbas instead of Jesus. And he gives, or again, he gives Jesus to be crucified. And he releases Barabbas. And once he's rejecting this perfect, innocent man that he's already declared, I don't find any fault in him, but I'm going to reject him because I'm worried about the people. Can I just tell you, we are at a day and an age where you and I are going to have to decide how are we going to handle Jesus in this society, in this age, in this uh, season of philosophy and outlook, because there are people that are pressuring us to choose another. There are situations that are out there that are saying, we really don't need Jesus. Let me take Barabbas. Let me have that. That I can deal with because it's tangible. They could deal with Barabbas because they knew what to expect. They could expect him to be a criminal. They could expect him to be violent. He was an insurrectionist. They knew what they were getting with Barabbas, but they couldn't deal with the unknown of Jesus. Amen. And so they rejected Jesus and they accepted Barabbas. And so Pilate is standing there and he's trying to wash his hands saying, I'm innocent of his blood. Listen, there's coming a day and I believe it's coming rapidly where you as an individual and I as an individual are going to have to answer the question, what are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to stand with Jesus in the midst of the crowd or are we going to cower away from Jesus and reject him and accept the philosophy of the crowd? I don't want to reject him. Well, Pastor, I would never reject him. That's what Peter said. And Peter walked with him. And Peter talked with him. Peter camped out with him. He ate dinner with him. And yet he still denied him three times. <laughs> what about you? When the flames turn up, do you choose the known path 
how to get from point A to point B because you've done it so many times. It's in your comfort zone. Or when Jesus is walking outside of your comfort zone, are you rejecting him for the comfort or are you following him into uncomfortable areas of life? Are you Listen, it wasn't comfortable for Pilate. We give Pilate a hard time, but it wasn't comfortable for him. In fact, his very wife was trying to tell him, don't mess with this man. I haven't been sleeping very well because you're dealing with Jesus. I've had dreams. I've seen things. It's not going to turn out well for you if you handle Jesus the wrong way. And yet Pilate still rejected Jesus. Still shunned him. Well, how do I reject Jesus? Are you doing what he's asking you to do? Well, what's he asking you to do? I'll give you just a couple. In everything to give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Where's your gratitude level been? Because if you're not giving thanks in everything, you're rejecting Christ. I, I know that hurts, and that's pretty straightforward. But we reject him more than we think we reject him. We like to say we're followers of Christ, that we're in tune with him. Listen, I know we're not going to be perfect, but I'm asking you a question. How are you going to handle Jesus? What are you going to do with him? Are you going to do what the, 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 the wise man in the book of Proverbs said? Acknowledge him in all your ways. Lean not to your own understanding. We don't always do that. We acknowledge him from time to time. We listen to him from time to time. But do we acknowledge him in all of our ways? Are we going to be like Pilate and reject him? Or are we going to be like Herod? Uh, it's not found in this Matthew passage, but it's over in Luke chapter 23, verse number 8. Jesus is delivered to Herod Antipas. And the Bible says this, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. He was excited. I'm getting ready to see Jesus. For he was desirous to see him for a long time because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. So are you going to be like Herod and admire Jesus? What are you going to do with this Jesus? Are you going to admire him? What, what do I mean by that? We speak glowingly of Jesus as long as he answers the prayer the way we expect him to answer it. Amen. Jesus do this, and a miracle happens, and we're like, yeah. But when we say, Jesus, will you do this? And he says, no. Do we act like Herod? Because as soon as Jesus did not respond to Herod, and as soon as Jesus did not perform a sign or a miracle for Herod, according to the book of Luke, Herod stopped admiring him and wanted to get away from him as quick as possible. You see, there's too many people in this world today that are living their life in admiration to Jesus, but they're not in, in relationship with Jesus. Amen. They admire him for what he can do. They admire him for what he has done, but they haven't figured out that sometimes he has to say no, or sometimes he has to say not yet. Or sometimes he says, I have something better for you. It's like the, the meme that has gone around online. It's been a long time, but it's the little girl that has this little teddy bear. 
And Jesus is on his knees and saying, would you give me your teddy bear? And she doesn't want to give up this little teddy bear, but she doesn't see the huge teddy bear that's behind Jesus' back that he's getting ready to give her. And so we admire Jesus in that situation. We admire because he's given us a couple of things. He's given us life. He's given us breath. He's given us deliverance. He's given us freedom. How many of you have felt free in Jesus Christ? And we think, okay, okay, yeah, I can admire that. But when Jesus says, let me have it from you, oh, no. No, no, Jesus, you can't have my kids. Jesus, you can't have my home. You can't have my job. I admire you. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. But God, you're asking me to give you such and so. And we climb up because we have lived in admiration in him. We don't mind when preachers say, give up this and this and this if it's all bad stuff to us. Give up your addiction. Give up your despair. Give up your depression. Give up all of the junk of your life. We like that. But Jesus did not qualify his statement when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He didn't say just deny all the bad things about you. He didn't say that he even denied, he put it to you this way, unless you hate your mom and dad. And what he was really saying is not that you hate them, but that you placed them in the wrong spot. If you have placed your parents, your kids, your friends, your siblings, if you have placed them above Jesus, you have misplaced your friends. And you are only admiring Jesus. But when Jesus becomes your all in all, that admiration turns to relationship. And there's something powerful that begins to happen. Listen, when God asks you to give something up for him, it's not because he's wanting to take things away from you. It's because he has something bigger and more powerful and more anointed to give you. And you may not even think yourself worthy because you have put him in such an admiral, uh, a admiration and, and an awe kind of thing that he would never choose you. Listen, if he's trying to get your attention, he already trusts you enough to give you whatever he's getting ready to give you. But he knows that he cannot give it to you if you're hands are full. So are you going to live a life of admiration? Or are you going to do what the mob did back in Matthew chapter 27? They tried to replace him. The chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. How many substitutes have we attached ourselves to? How many times in our lives, all of us, have we taken a situation and we grabbed a hold of this to replace Jesus because we think we know better? Amen. We've accepted the job, even though we know that the Lord didn't want us to take the job, but we were replacing our security by putting our security in our hourly wage instead of putting it in the hands of Jesus. And we thought that job promotion, that extra couple dollars an hour, was going to give us the security that we needed to make it through the, the month and through the years. But when all, it all comes out that Jesus didn't want you to have that job because he knew your spirit was not going to do well in that job. And all of a sudden you're a couple months into the job and your finances may be there, but everything else is crashing around and you're wondering, God, what happened? Yeah. Jesus looks at you and he says, 
I told you not to take it in the first place. <laughs> but you replaced me with that. Listen, am I saying that every promotion is not of God? No, no, no. I'm saying figure out what God's doing first. Don't replace him for the things of this world. Listen, from the very beginning, the Israelites' uh, biggest difficulty that they had were idols that they placed in place of Jesus, in place of God. And so they would build up these idols and replace them for God himself. And then they wondered why things didn't take place. Don't we do the same thing? Listen, anything that comes between you and God is an idol. I remember in, in, in one of my classes in, in college, I think it was my homiletics class. And we were preaching one to another, and we practiced on each other, believe it or not. And so we'd have 15 people in our room, and, and we'd go to town, and our teacher would give us a topic. And she said, okay, you got 15 minutes. Have your sermon ready. Get up and preach. And uh, it was the, the art of speaking in, in public. And I don't know if I passed or failed. And, uh, but, but I remember one of the, the, the guys were speaking, and, and, and they were preaching. And so we were listening as they were preaching the, whatever the message was. Um, but he got to this place and he said, uh, he basically said this. When I decided to come to this school, I was replacing a non-accredited degree with an accredited scholarship to another school. But I felt like Jesus was telling me to give that up. And to go with this. And I know that there's all kinds of people that have done it the opposite direction. And they have swapped it out. Uh, I, I can just tell you that my, my father's testimony was the opposite of that young man in my class. My father's testimony was that he felt a call to the ministry when he was very young. But he got active in sports in high school especially. And he became very good at it. And so he, was, he graduated from North St. Paul High School after having played in the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament. And he got a full-ride scholarship to the University of Minnesota to play hockey. And so he went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I, I, I've got to tell you, and you have to remember that we were raised in a church and he was raised in a church that had a Bible college as part of the church. And so when my dad was turning his back on the school, he was also turning his back on his pastor. But the pastor looked at him and said, didn't criticize him, didn't ridicule him. He just, he just was tender with him. And my dad replaced his call with what we would classify as highly successful. And so he got this full ride scholarship to the University of Minnesota to play hockey in his senior year. He was the captain of the team. There's pictures of him with the big McNaughton Cup the cup stands about that tall, sitting, and he's in the center of the team, and he played in the national championship. He lost, but he played in the national championship and, and, and was part of that. And then he was drafted into Vietnam, but failed his physical because of some skin problems, acne problems. And so instead of going there, he played for the United States Olympic hockey team in 1972, went to Sapporo, Japan, got a silver medal placed around his neck, 
came home, signed with the Minnesota Fighting Saints at Glen Sonmore, uh, and played at the St. Paul Civic Center. And the first year, every home game, he had to walk onto the ice with the song, Oh, when the Saints go marching in. And in the middle of his first year in professional hockey, he would crawl out of his bed in the middle of the night and crawl into the living room and just cry. Wasn't praying, he was just crying because he was miserable. Because five, six, seven, eight years earlier, he had replaced what God had for him with what he wanted. Amen. He had switched it around just like the mob did. Now we criticize the mob all day long when they said crucify him. And well, we should, I guess. But all of us at some point in our lives have removed what Jesus had for us and replaced it with something else. I'm thankful to God that he finally got a hold of my dad in those dark nights and in the living room. And I'm glad that finally he gave up and put back in place in proper order that which was, he, that which was there. But he lost eight years of his ministry because he replaced it with something else. Dare I say to you, we may not have eight years to take a chance at replacing Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus today? Are you going to put him at front and center? Are you going to listen to him? Or are you going to replace him with an agenda that's not his desire? It's amazing to me how often we do that. Well, I can do it this way. And then we wonder why it's all messed up, why we're not happy. And Jesus tries to whisper into our spirit, because you've replaced me for something else. You've chosen something else instead of me. Or we could get really bad and be like the soldiers. In verse 28 of that chapter, they stripped him, put a robe of scarlet on him, and when they had plaited the crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. There's a whole lot of mocking going on right now. In this world, in this society, Jesus is being mocked. And his followers are being mocked. But can I challenge you today? What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to risk following the crowd and beginning to mock him? Or are you going to be reverent to him? Listen, the word mocking isn't just making fun of. It's just not verbal abuse. But it is a mentality. It is a mentality that says, I can make it in this world without you. I really don't need you. If I create one of some of the worst things that have ever happened in philosophy is we have identified things that man can do to make things better. Do something for 21 days, supposedly you begin a habit. If I can just pray for 21 days, I will be right with God. No, you've just created a habit. If I can just do this, if I can just put $10 away from every check by the time I retire, because I've started when I was 15 or 16, I'll be a millionaire by the time I retire. Maybe, maybe not. You don't know what's going to happen. The Bible says it this way. Take no thought for tomorrow what you will wear, what you will drink, what you will eat, 
for I already have taken care of tomorrow. Now, that wasn't me. Those aren't my words. You'll have to look them up. Those are the words of Jesus. So when we get all tied up and tangled up with planning for tomorrow, what are we really doing? We're mocking what he has said. Am I against preparing for tomorrow? Am I against 401ks? Am I against planning for retirement? No, but what I am against is making that the main thing when Jesus is trying to get you to do something different. Follow Jesus and your retirement will be assured. Do it Jesus' way and Jesus' way will always lead to the benefits that you're needing in the future because he has already stepped into your future and knows where you're at. Listen, I'm not talking about casting off all restraint, doing whatever you want to do at this day and not thinking of, about upcoming. But what I am saying is if my mind is connected to his mind and my communion is connected to his communion, today my tomorrow is going to be taken care of. As long as I stay hand in hand with the master, it doesn't matter whether my bank account says I won't make it through the month. I'll make it through the month because Jesus is going to help me. As long as he's number one, as long as I'm not mocking him, as long as I'm not turning my back on him, as long as I'm not rejecting him, as long as I'm not trying to do it my own way, as long as I'm listening to the master, he's got the best in plan in, 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 in place for me. Why are we so stubborn? I say that to myself, not just to you. But why, as humans, do we think that we can do it all? I know the answer, by the way. The answer is this. Let us create man in our image. Male and female created he in the image of God. We are in the image of God. But what we need to do is set that aside like Christ did when he came. And the Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Stop trying to figure it out. Our humanity is trying to figure it out. Our, our, our brains can't function because all we're trying to figure out is in a box this big. And God is standing outside of time and he's seeing all time and eternity. And he's saying that decision in that box right now is not going to do you any good 10 years from now. So listen to me. And when it doesn't make sense, well, give of your finance. Give of your time. Give of your resources. Well, that doesn't make sense. But if you'll do it, I'll take care of it. Try me, test me, see if I, if I won't do it. He, he promised that he would do it. Well, if, if I spend more time with him, and I don't spend as much time out here, how am I going to make a difference out there? You just do. It doesn't make sense. The more time I spend with him, the more effective I am. What takes me an hour to be effective out here? If I spend that hour with him, it takes me five minutes to be effective out there. What are you going to do with Jesus today? Are you going to reject him? Are you going to admire him? Are you going to replace him? Are you going to mock him? Or are you going to do what I'm challenging each one of us to do? In verse 54 of chapter 27, now, when the centurion had laid over with him watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, 
they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off after which, uh, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, and they were all there. And then they went and anointed the, the, the body of, uh, of Jesus before it went into the tomb. Listen, let me just tell you this. There is coming a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess because there is no other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. There is coming a day when you will have no choice but to bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So my question to you today is really not what are you going to do with Jesus because I know the answer eventually is going to be you're going to bow and you're going to confess that he is the Lord. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, of things in the earth, of things under the earth to the glory of God. There's going to come a day where I don't care who you are, you are going to bow before him. My question is, I know that that's what's going to happen when you deal with Jesus then, but my question to you is, are you willing to do now what you're going to have to do then by your choice? By your, Are you going, you have the choice like Pilate had a choice. And Pilate decided, this isn't for me. I'm not going to take Jesus now. But what will you do with Jesus? Will you bow before him like Thomas did and say, my Lord and my God? Will you take the opportunity that Jesus is giving us in these last few hours of time? And would you get to sell out to him and surrender everything to him and to say, Jesus, I don't know all things. I can't be all things, but I want to be yours. I bow before you. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my peace. You are my king. You are my Lord. Will you crown him today as Lord? You see, everybody is going to stand before him at one point or another. According to scripture, there's two different judgment seats. There's a judgment seat of Christ and there's a white throne judgment. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you are already assured of heaven, but what will your reward be? Those that stand at the judgment seat of Christ choose to bow today. Those that have to go to white throne judgment will be those that choose not to bow today, but will be forced to bow at that time. So my question to you is, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? I can't make that decision for you. I have watched many people come and go from churches on fire for the Lord one day, ice cold the next. Angry, hate-filled, hurt and wounded. But can I just challenge you today? 
Don't let humanity mess with your Jesus. Because the thing that happened in all of these that I shared today is this. Pilate got messed up with the people. Herod got messed up with his own thinking. The mob got messed up with their own traditions because Jesus was turning everything inside out, messing with their religion, messing with their thoughts about who God was supposed to be and what God was supposed to do. The soldiers, they were, the Israelites were just dogs. Jesus was just another condemned individual that they were going to put spikes in their hands and, and, and they were going to mock him and make fun of him because of all the turmoil that Jesus supposedly thought of. Notice that in those situations, those men all operated on a horizontal level. But notice what happens when the centurion and Thomas respond. The centurion looks up at Jesus on the cross and says, truly, this is the Son of God. Thomas falls to a knee and looks up at Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 falls to the ground and looks up at the bright light and says, who art thou, Lord? You see, the difference is if you will handle Jesus on a vertical level, he'll take you to places you never dreamed of going. But if you deal with Jesus on a horizontal level, you're going to get messed up. And you're going to listen in our society today. What is really happening? What's really happening? Our people trying and philosophies and ideas and understandings are trying to get our eyes on this level. What's good for me? What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? How can it benefit me? And I want this and I want that. When in all actuality, it's the tongue of the spirit that's saying, lift up your hands, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. I invite you to stand. What are you going to do with him today? It's a decision that your spouse cannot make. It's a decision that you as a child, your parents cannot make. Your co-workers can't make it. Your political system can't make it. Nothing can make this decision but you. Joshua said it this way. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What will you do with him? What will you do with him today? With every eye closed, as they begin to sing, all across this sanctuary, If you desire to have Jesus take up his rightful place in your life, would you raise your hand? Yeah. 
you would just raise your other hand and just begin to reach out and talk to him in your own way. I can't talk it the way you can talk it. It's between you and him. Jesus, right now, you have entered and are standing at the entry to every heart here. You are ministering to each person right now. I'm asking you, Jesus, make yourself very real right now. Let each person feel the strength of your embrace. Let them feel your arms wrap around them. Let them feel your heartbeat right now. Lord, every person here that has dealt with depression, I give depression to you. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, elevate itself in them right now. Jesus from the mountains and Jesus is 